Yes. Uh, yes, that's right. Now, one question. Mr. Haley, are you a Jew? No, sir, I'm Methodist. Now, I'll see you next Thursday, Mr. Haley. Good night. <laughs> The next generation. Here we go. Welcome to the Bagland Podcast. Mister, you sure you come to the right address? Yeah, American Nazi Party headquarters. I've been driving around Arlington for 10 years and I've never seen that before. But I don't care if I never see it again. You be all right? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Hello? I'm Alex Haley. I have an appointment with Commander George Lincoln Rockwell. Alex, look the subject of the Negro. Communism lies to the Negro. They say, we're for you. We sympathize with you. Our heart breaks for you. And then they use him viciously to destroy society and destroy civilization. They don't help him. Most Negroes are getting wise to this. The communists go in there and they use the Negro ruthlessly and viciously to destroy society, destroy the Negro, destroy everybody. And what does democracy do? Democracy, boy, what they preach. But I live right there in Washington, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and I can tell you that the ones that do the biggest preaching about mixing with the Negroes, those are the ones that live down there in the places where they can't even drive in there. They're not allowed anywhere here. Their kids don't go to Negro schools. They have nothing to do with them. It's pure hypocrisy, just as rotten as the communists. In fact, maybe more rotten. Democracy and communism in these respects are exactly the same. Nazism says to the Negro, we don't want to hurt you, we don't want to persecute you, but we feel that you're not culturally as mature as we are. We don't want you to live right next door to us. Just tell the truth to Negro. And most of the people, white people, if you're perfectly honest, will say that that's the truth. And you all know it. And yet when you get next to a Negro, you're afraid to tell him that. You're afraid you want to be real sociable and nice, so you lie to him. And all this does is hurt him and hurt you. There is one great Negro leader that I admire, and I understand that I hope I can be helpful in getting him here, and that's either Elijah Muhammad or Malcolm X. Now, these are great leaders. I wish to God we had one white leader with a stature of Malcolm X. Just one. In our government. If you don't believe me, you wait till he stands up here and talks to you. That's a man. When you see that man, you'll see a man that'll stand up and talk to you, right up to you, square and fair. He won't cringe or kowtow or black tom or anything else. And neither will he be arrogant. He's a man and he's a leader. Now, those are the kind of leaders that the Negro people need, not Arthur Spingarn of the NAACP or Marvin Rich. Of course, either one of them who are black. As I say, I'm not going to go into any of the further details, but the Negro people need leadership by their own people. And they got them. Good leaders. And if we look back, Elijah Muhammad and his type of leader, you will see the race problem solved. And that's what the Nazis say. Now, I could go, I've got some more here, but I haven't got time to go into all of them. What I'm trying to show you is that on every single point you take, economics, women, 
Many other things that I'm going into, race, social ideas, business, communism, and democracy are basically the same thing. They talk a little different, but they do the same thing. All the only difference is democracy is a little bit more hypocritical about it. They have euphemism. In this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issues, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. And the white liberals control this ball through tricks or tokenism, false promises of integration and civil rights. In this game of deceiving and using the American Negro, the white liberals have complete cooperation of the Negro civil rights leaders who sell our people out for a few crumbs of token recognition, token gains, token progress. to Abraham Lincoln and had her white friend from New York to deliver it to him. And I'm telling you this because I got a message for those young white boys from New Jersey that live around here in the South right now with the Confederate monument to Black Lives Matter. Black lives have never mattered to anybody but the Christian white folks in the South Land of America. We for doing an after the war. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 In that letter to Lincoln, she said, Honorable Sir, would you please see that your, doc, your union doctors help the black union soldiers? They won't even touch them. They just let them lay and die. In the Confederate the same doctor that took care of Jedediah when he was a baby boy, the same doctor that went off the war with him took care of that baby boy in the Confederate Army, our integrated army at that. Can I get an amen? In the Union Army, she went on to say, Dear Sir, would you please see that the black Union soldiers get the same pay as the white Union soldiers get? In the Confederate Army, the white Confederate soldiers divided up their money and put it in a pile to make sure that the black Confederate soldiers got the same pay. Can I get an amen? Yeah. White, black lives matter to them. Yeah, that's right. 
Welcome to the Bagland Podcast. This is Bagland DP, where we discuss politics, tech, and tangibles. Promoting these black-owned businesses. www.thenaturaljourneyforlife.com. Get your health, your smoothies, and your recipes. Go to Sizzling Wagon. That's a great food truck. Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in downtown Minneapolis. Serving for the lockdown as well. Call 612-475-0713 for takeout. Go to beingblackandit.com How to get in the information technology game Now on Amazon Prime We done got over 70 to 100 people Higher in the information technology game I know what I'm talking about Go to beingblackandit.com And send me an email I'll get you hooked up with my man down in Mississippi Green Royal Videos To get your video animation done For your products and services Go to www.catwalkfierce.com to get your makeup done. The homegirl does excellent work. Go to www.accelerateclasses.com to get your Excel, Python, Data Science, SQL, Aura, Coding, HTML, CSS, and boot camps. Matter of fact, they got a brand new boot camp, which is a business and a financial analyst boot camp. And if you use the discount code E0, I'm, I'm sorry, EOJ. Seven zero for $70 off. This is for anybody that's interested knowing the day-to-day of a business or a financial analyst and want to become a business or a financial analyst. Usually this pays anywhere between 55 starting out in the game to 75 to 85 to 100 bands. Go to www.accelerateclasses.com. Excellent work. Go to www.mcbridesisters.com. That's a black-owned wine company. Go to www.centerfiretacticalgear.com to get your gear for your poles. Go to www.onpointarmsllc.com to buy your firearms. You're going to need them. Very good weapons for sale. Get your legal, conceal, and carry if you can, and carry out your constitutional rights www.onpointarmsllc.com Go to www.strongarmllc.com to get your local firearm training here in the state of Minnesota. Go to htxtactical.com for your custom builds for your poles. Go to www.itmasterkey.com for your online certification. Your online information technology search, that is. Go to www.bbombbookclub.com. That is a black-owned book club. Go to www.puzzlehuddle.com. That is a great puzzle company. Go to www.iwantamask.com. I ordered some masks myself. Go to www.thesafetypouch.com. This allows you to keep your wallet in no reaching distance if the race soldiers pull you over. Go to www.tcmobilecarwash.com, appointment only, 612-800-2772, and go to www.dirkswipes.com. Excellent disinfectant product, natural, www.derxwipes.com. Excellent show tonight. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to the new black media. Shout out to the coons and the sambos It's going to be six feet under begging the white supremacists for a job. I said it. Y'all to go out to www.reelectpaulhoward.com. That brother down in Atlanta has been a district attorney for many years and they're trying to get him to step aside because they don't want to charge these race soldiers that ambushed and murdered that brother shot him in the back and kicked him in his face when he was down rather than give him constructive help 
So you could go to reelectpaulhoward.com. The DA down there, we got to protect that brother. Now, notice that I gave you. Notice that I gave you three different perspectives. Right out the bat. The first person that I gave you was a excerpt from Roots. If anybody has seen the Roots, the next generation where Alex Haley had went and um, he basically went and talked to Mr. Rockwell, which was one of the owners of the Nazi uh, party here. He was one of the founders of the Nazi party. So he sat down with him. He had a lot of love for Malcolm X and, and, and Elijah Muhammad. Had a lot of respect for them. You notice that he kind of called out some of these slithering, slimy, do-nothing, demonic, Democrat type of liberals. Then he said that Malcolm and Elijah Muhammad would be some great black leaders. He said that Malcolm was a stand-up guy. Now, this is the white supremacist saying this. This is a stone-cold, anti-black Nazi that says, I respect this nigga. He ain't no Uncle Tom. He ain't a coon. He really truly believes in what he says. I rock with him. That's what he said. Then you had Brother Malcolm that was getting on the liberal left arm of racism, white supremacy. And then you had a Confederate coon, H.K. Edgerton. You know, they get some of these coons and these sambos that says, oh, well, you know, the Confederates cared about the black soldiers. We got to put it all in perspective, people. We have to be very honest. The South was trying to uphold white supremacy by having niggas work for free. So you can't come and use that. Well, they cared a little bit more about the Union. The Union or the Confederate soldiers cared more about black folk. So they got this nigga out there who definitely probably wanted him some interracial sexual access for him to jump up and say, well, you know, let me just go down here. See, that nigga be down there in the South doing all these little lectures about the Confederacy with his Confederate flag and stuff. And it's very dangerous because if they got to turn on him, they will. I was on a conference call and a guy made a joke when I was doing my contracting, my information technology contracting. And some guy made a joke about going to the fireworks, going to see the fireworks on Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore with Donald J. with the toupee. Now, Mount Rushmore is a whole white supremacist historical site. Everybody on there either owned slaves or maintained of uh, slavery. And remember, white supremacists always joke. The Klan started as a joke. I said that before. Thomas Dartmouth Daddy Rice. That was the I'm in love with the cocoa for white supremacy that was a guy that was saying hey look i'm about to dress up as some niggas and i'm about to get paid he went on international tour everywhere he went everywhere this is gonna be a great show tonight then you got a lot of folks saying now hey let's all unify coons and all no we need a code and a few good men you know, the most powerful companies on planet Earth was engineered by a small team. Well, Bagland DP, you sound, you sounded like you listen to the black media a lot. I sound like black empowerment. I sound very anti-Sambo. You notice in my picture, I put in, uh, in my cover of the Bagland podcast, this episode tonight, you notice that I put black folks on the cover 
these were safe bus drivers. We're going to talk about the safe bus tonight. We're definitely going to get into that. We're going to talk about the safe bus tonight. Let's pull up that article right now because this is about colder ice. This episode is about colder ice here. Now, Safe Bus, and I mentioned it before, it was quite a while ago, but it was North Carolina's largest black-owned bus company. And I got an article from it here. It says, the year is 1926. 13 men pledged their life savings to form Safe Bus, what will become the largest black-owned bus company in the nation. All right? Winston-Salem, North Carolina. The year is 1926 in the city of Winston-Salem. People depend on electric streetcars to get them back and forth to work. But the streetcars run in white neighborhoods only, meaning black folks had to walk to those neighborhoods to get a ride to work. The walk would span miles and take hours. Priscilla Estelle Steffens, Steffens was one of those employees. At 20 years old, in 1966, she became the first female driver for Safe Bus. Now, that wasn't no huge thing. The brothers was like, come on, sister, we ain't discriminating against you. See, they always try to use this, oh, well, I'm the first black person that did this and the first black person to do that. They always usually get sambos to give those positions. But this wasn't a sambo situation. This was a black-owned company. And she said, I came down one particular day. I didn't come down to drive a bus. But someone said, why don't you put in an application to drive a bus? That's what another black person asked her. And she said, they're not going to let me drive a bus, Stevens recalled. But by the end of the day, she was officially hired and started driving two days later. She said, boy, I never got a job this quick. That That is what staying on cold is. Black folks around that time, that was in 1966, they owned that bus company. They were on cold. Whereas now, you may get a position as a fact, oh, the, the first black police chief is some bullshit. And nine times out of ten, that nigga's vetted. He's vetted. They done sat him down. He's co-opted. He's going to uphold the system of racism and white supremacy no matter what for that job. So that's why they're going to use the first bullshit. Six months ago after she was hired, James Conner joined Safe Bus. Now, he was an Army veteran. He spent 10 years in the military, returned home from the Vietnam War. He drove tanks and jeeps. See, we got to keep in mind, a lot of these brothers were sent over to the war to do menial tasks. They didn't wouldn't, they wouldn't put no pole in their hand a lot of times. They'd be like, well, we just ain't going to give them no weapons. But when they did give them weapons, they put them on the front line and niggas was tearing shit up like the Harlem Hellfighters. We need to be very clear about that. It was a lot of them world wars. They won the world wars because of black folk. They put niggas on the front line and niggas tow shit up. So James Conner said it wasn't hard for him to train and start driving routes because he had that military experience driving tanks and jeeps. But he laughed. Many passengers called him at first. Conner liked to stick to a tight schedule and demanded people have their money ready when he picked them up. He said, they even called me Mr. On Time, laughed Connor. This brother had that military experience, had a lot of discipline. Now, Connor and Steven sat across from each other in the safe bus conference room inside the Winston-Salem Trans Authority, Trans, I'm sorry, Transit Authority headquarters, 44 years after the bus had stopped operating. The two reminisced about their time with the company. They both drove that bus until 1972 when it was sold to the city. Now, if you notice, 1972, that was getting to the colder ice place. We gonna get back to that in a minute. 
Now Steven says it was the first black owned bus company. When I was riding the bus it was about 25 cent. Fares started at 5 cents in the early operating days and they grew as the company expanded. Now the number of buses expanded as well from 35 to 42. Safe bus operated in 20% of the city. And at that time you stayed in your community. That's what Steven said. She said that. A year after Connor and Steven started working for Safe Bus, members of rival white bus companies went on strike. Stevens explained black bus drivers made more in the late 60s around $1.60 to $2.50 an hour. That was more than school teachers were making in, she said. By 1968, Safe Bus provided transportation to all city residents. The company took on more routes, but finding drivers proved difficult. Now, Connor said at one point we were short drivers and I would drive for 18 hours and told them to hire more people because I was getting tired. Despite more routes after integration, Safe Bus started to lose money. There you go, colder ice. Old attitudes about segregation made it difficult to make a profit and the company lost 60% of riders according to the Winston-Salem Winston Transit Authority. When the whites started riding Safe Bus, they thought they had to go to the back, said Stevens. The integration of Winston-Salem and Forsyth County schools caused problems as well when students started riding yellow buses. As more uh, people bought cars, routes were cut, and safe bus stockholders started receiving less money, Connor explained. Now stockholders voted to sell the company to the city in 1972. The Winston-Salem Transit Authority became responsible for all public transportation. Now Stevens. Uh, would go on to drive for Greyhound and then she retired accident free in 2012. Connor stayed on with the city driving until he retired 37 years later. Now even though the two enjoyed long careers in public transportation they said they'll never forget those first years of safe bus. Now Steven said I got to the point where I was on a regular route and I knew the people and they knew me it was like a family affair. So Jim Crow laws forced the formation of jitneys or small trucks with a chassis and a stagecoach. 27 jitneys operated in the city, but the vehicles were dangerous to operate and more people depended on the transportation, making scheduling riding scheduling rides a mess. Okay. Now Mayor Thomas Barber tells jitney operators to work together or stop operating. So those 13 jitney operations operations uh, uh, operators pledged their life savings, purchasing stocks of share for 100 grand, forming safe bus in the year of our Lord, May 26, 1926. Now, the company grew large and fast and was at one point named the largest black owned transportation company in the world. In 1955, safe bus grossed 425,000. At its prime, the company carried 12,000 fares a day, grossed 10 bands a week, and had 75 employees. Now, when you convert that right now, that for half a million, that's like 40, 50 million or something crazy. That's like Uber now. We were the black Uber then. And that's why I mentioned this colder ice. See, they don't really want to tell you. Now, Safe Bus was on cold as hell, but they don't want to tell you about all of these Sambo ass niggas that wanted to trade colder ice. They didn't really want to keep the black owned businesses. They gave all of it away. We need to be very, very clear on that. And we're going to talk about precedence again, setting a bad precedence. That's what happened. Black folks around those, those late times, those sixties, them, them late seventies, when they started to integrate, they lost all of their businesses. 
because they wanted colder ice, warmer coffee. Oh, I want to stay in this hotel so bad. Oh, I want a Becky so bad. Please, please, please. You dig? That's what was going on. Now, there's another article that I wanted to read because we were talking about uh, George Linking Rockwell. It's very interesting how we fought the Nazis, but then you had a Nazi party that had a lot of support. But I want to read you this article here called The Weird Time Nazis Made Common Calls of Black Nationalists. This was by Tristan Hopper on August 24th in 2017. Now, founded in the 1930s, the Nation of Islam was an American movement that married Islamic teachings with black nationalism, led by Elijah Muhammad and all this and that. Let's get to the bread and butter. Now, 20 million ex-slaves must be permanently separated from our former slave master and placed on some land that we can call our own. Malcolm X said that in 63. He says it was the only way to create our own jobs, control our own economy, solve our own problems instead of waiting on the American white man to solve our problems for us. Now, we're getting back to that slowly because these people are up here ambushing and lynching us left and right. They're forcing us to get back on code. For all the Sambo sellout niggas, you ain't got no choice but to get on code. If you don't get on code, you about to get slaughtered. That's exactly what's gonna happen. Now, the American Nazi Party, in turn, was founded by George Lincoln Rockwell in the late 1950s. Although now largely forgotten, Rockwell checks all the boxes as a near-perfect American historical villain, is what they said. It was only 15 years after the U.S. had lost more than 200,000 soldiers liberating Europe from Nazi Germany. In a country filled with Holocaust survivors and wounded vets, Rockwell was making public appearances in a paramilitary uniform, denying the Holocaust and expressing his admiration for Adolf Hitler. Now, he said that Hitler was a gift from Providence. You dig? Now, before civil rights leader Martin Luther King was given the I Have a Dream speech on the Lincoln Memorial, which Dr. Claude Anderson was breaking down, they were telling King, well, you can't talk about, you can't talk black. You got to do this all lives matter kind of talk. That's why he said, well, after a while, he's figured that, damn, I done integrated my people into a burning bush. We lost everything. And he was for reparations. So they said, all right, we got to we got to get this nigga out of here. But Rockwell, he attempted to stop the eye of extreme speech with a counter uh, demonstration of 10,000 pro segregationists, although only 90 people showed up and Rockwell failed to obtain a permit. So this is kind of like what happened with Donald J with the toupee down in Tulsa. Now, when Freedom Riders came to desegregate public transportation, Rockwell was touring around. He had like a hate bus, talking about he hates Jews and communism and all that. So what ended up happening was, um, you had a situation where Rockwell and the Nazi party, it looks like they were down with segregation. They were like, okay, y'all could go back to Africa. And Malcolm X was like, all right, carve out some, 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 you know, carve out some land for us. And it says they want a chunk of America and I prefer that they go to Africa. That's what Rockwell was saying. And he was saying, well, race mixing ain't going to work. He told that in the 1966 interview with Alex Haley. And so what ended up happening was, it says, Rockwell made official contact twice with the Nation of Islam. In 61, he came to the Nation of Islam rally in Washington, D.C. 
and he donated twenty dollars to the cause. Then he came um, in nineteen sixty-two and said he fully backs Elijah Muhammad. You know what I'm saying? So basically, he was he was uh. There was some other information that I that I I read somewhere where basically like down in the south some of the Nazis in the nation had got into it a couple times. And I think they I think it was something where the Nazis actually gave the nation some land down there if I'm not correct. Because they said, all right, y'all trying to stick with y'all people. We both agree. Black folks, you know, y'all stick with y'all. We going to stick with each other. You know, these liberals are fake. They were. So I think that's that's where they kind of found a little bit of common ground. Bob Cole, do you think there is a systemic racism problem in the Minneapolis police force? I do not. Racial uh, issues certainly need to be addressed, and we are willing to work yeah, through that as we have done in, in year after year. Many years in the police department, we are all engaged. There are racial issues. Uh, is it systemic racism? Not in my opinion. A lot of people are throwing systemic racism in our police department. I can tell you as an African-American male, I personally do not believe it exists. Our city council is very diverse. We got a black attorney general. We have a black police chief. I am the first African-American ever elected to the Minneapolis Police Federation in 152 years. You know what I see? I see progress. We're progressing forward. Now, what you guys just heard, that was just some nigga, that was just some nigga that was just minding the store. That was just some nigga that was just minding the store. You got Kroll up here. Kroll is definitely, he's got to be a white supremacist at this point. He's basically saying that there is, he, there you go again. As Neely Fuller taught us, taking both sides of the argument. You notice how he started talking about, well, there is some racism problems in the police department, but it's not systemic. You know what that's like me saying? Well, this guy here, he's a rapist, but he only does it on the weekend. So he's not bad as a guy that does it Monday through Friday. He only does it on the weekend, so it's not that bad. Let's just look into it and let's try to figure it out. Let's stall in so many words. That's the kind of logic when you're really thinking about it. According to definition, if you define it, it sounds like he's taking both sides of the argument. Then they got this nigga up here. And if y'all don't know, it was stale kale. Of all people giving that interview, he says, well, I'm the first. Remember what I said earlier? I'm the first African-American. I'm the first. Like that's supposed to mean something. I'm the first African-American in 160 something years to get on the police federation. Nigga, they put you there so you could mine the store and toe the line for the white supremacists. So they gave you a nice little $75,000 plus job so you could just sit there with your little smug suit and just tell them exactly what they told you to say. These were the, see, when you got niggas talking about, well, we need to get everybody, we need to get everybody unified. No, you don't unify with niggas like that. You don't. You don't unify with niggas like that. You can't do it. You can't unify with Negroes like that. 
you gonna be sitting up in a tree somewhere that nigga gonna be like well ain't no racism it was niggas like that that was on the plantation that was y'all seen everybody seen Django Unchained that was a Samuel L. Jackson type of nigga right there he was the Samuel L. Jackson. Well, Master sick. No, not Master ain't sick. I sick. We's all sick. We's all sick. Nigga, you know damn well what it is is, and see, coons are are made over time. Nine times out of ten, his parents were probably coons. They gave him coon energy, and he gets played that up all through college. He probably has a Becky. That nigga ain't got no soul in the world. The nigga probably, you know what I'm saying? He, he's the type of nigga where if a black person gets killed, it could be a known race soldier. He's going to come up with some type of thing to co-sign for the white supremacists and the race soldiers on the force and say well hell you know that nigga should have pulled his pants up sound like some of the old negro clergies you dig so they hired him and got him on a panel he don't even look like a nigga that got some nuts on him so you gotta watch out for folks like that speaking of the police or the race soldier, should I say, I want to get back on rest in peace, Elijah McClain. Um, now somebody did some excellent artwork for this brother on common dreams. And I'm looking at this article. He was 23 years old. They say he was gentle, quirky. He was a massage therapist with a childlike spirit walking home. And on August 24th, of last year they said the cops stopped choked and killed him for looking for suspicious because they say they got a call about a man waving his hands and wearing a ski mask reportedly because he often got cold from his anemia and as an introvert a mask helped him with his social anxiety an affliction that also led him to visit shelter cats and dogs on his lunch break to play violin some of this article cuts off but just reading that right there this ain't no black person you could tell that this brother was not a violent person this wasn't no brother that was somebody that would harm someone what it was is some another race soldier and we got to be very clear you don't have to be a law enforcement officer to be a race soldier you could be a karen you know you could be a mind a not mind your own business bob let's start a new definition on the Bagland podcast a non mind your business bob that's the male version of karen let's all adopt that new phrase we gotta start defining things we gotta redefine the nature of our association with words not mind your own business bob or a clavering ku klux karen gave the call to say hey it's some negro out here waving his hands he's acting crazy see that's that old zimmerman shit the brother was walking home and I think he was actually walking home from getting like some soda or like some pop or some candy or something. So it's kind of eerily parallel when you look at, look at that case. When you think about what happened to that brother and you think about what happened to Trayvon, it's very, very eerie when you really run that by. He was coming from the store. So if people are saying this is the type of person who he this is the type of brother who he was see we got to look at that we got to start defining things we can't start talking about well maybe he did this or maybe he's walking home 
he's listening to his music he he has his headphones on if he's listening to music and walking home he obviously feels safe enough to because look when I'm walking around, I put if I have a pair of headphones on, I my, my head's on a swivel. I'm looking left and right. I'm trying to find out if ain't nobody, you know what I'm saying? Cause I ain't trying to I ain't trying to be snuck up on. So obviously he's just figuring like, hey, you know, I ain't bothering nobody. We gotta be very clear. As Fuller taught us, the ultimate ambush, the ultimate power, the white supremacist always wants to harm an innocent black person. That's how you know you really get your rank. When they give you those white shoestrings and them black boots and that red ribbon, when they give you that insignia, that you done did it for the set, banging since 1800s, you did it for the set. You did it for the set of racism, white supremacy. You killed an innocent black person. Y'all gotta keep in mind, when they used to lynch black men and black women and children, they did it, they did it to innocent people. That's where really the, and it's almost like a pseudo real ritualistic thing. It's really sick when you think about it. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta read the delectable Negro. Y'all gotta read that. It's almost like seasoning. They're seasoning from a ritualistic and anti-black domestic ambush lynching standpoint. This brother wears a mask to get away from social anxiety. If he has, uh, if he likes to visit shelter cats and dogs and play violin, Woodyard, Rosenblatt, and Rodeman confronted him. Though the caller had said he wasn't armed and committed no crime, they put him in a cart in, in a uh, carotid hole. It cuts off blood to the brain. You see what I'm saying? Then they called the medics to inject ke uh, ketamine to sedate him. Remember, a lot of the race soldiers up here in Minneapolis be doing that. So when he suffered a uh, two heart attacks and was taken off life support a few days later, his family said he was brain dead and covered in bruises. So that means they beat him. And the officers were cleared of wrongdoing after the DA concluded that they had lawful reason to assault him. You guys really need to think about what this, what this means. Before you get the fried chicken Negro spiritual, where's this go home and before you get them niggas to tell you to do that bullshit, let's really look at logic and definition. Let's look at logic and definition, damn it. The DA was staying on code. The DA was basically saying that he was eligible for mistreatment. That's what he was telling you. And the fact that he was saying his last words was, I'm sorry, I'm just different. Please forgive me. I love you. Those were his last words. No, nobody, no black person is saying something like that. Doesn't really mean no harm. He's probably trying to figure out why are they lynching him? Colorado, I told you it's a white supremacist haven. My niece was breaking it down in Colorado how them white supremacists are. She said it's a lot of white supremacist groups up there. They caught him down bad. And what the word was is you catch one of these Negroes down bad by themselves. That's why black folks need to be on code. They need to be walking around like, hey, look, this ain't no damn game. This ain't no time for no fucking parties. You need to be moving around and you need to be watching your surroundings. The only difference is they ain't put him up in a tree. 
so the governor had to get involved because the DA and see that bastard whoever that was the district attorney let me see if I could pull this up the district attorney didn't want to do his fucking job who is the district attorney let's see, let's see who this bastard is I want to see who this is I'm on commondreams.org let me see if I can find out some information they always use the word suspicious. They always use the word suspicious. Okay, I found I found some more information. I'm on the website. Now this brother was 5'6", 140 pounds. Let's look at the charges here. I don't I don't see much. But there was autopsy findings. They said, let me, let me see if I can find that information. Now, it, keeps, it keeps bringing me back. When you're on commondreams.org, it keeps bringing you back to the original case. But I seen that video when it was sickening. And I, you know, I watched it. I didn't want to watch it twice, but I watched it again. And I was sitting there listening to this. And I'm like, all right, it's three on one. It's dark outside. It looks like it's a dark night. So they basically caught him slipping. That that's what that was. If you say I'm sorry, they said he is vomited. I'm just different. Please forgive me. I love you. This was a domestic terror ambush lynching. This was an ambush. We need to be very clear about how we use these words. This was an ambush, people. I seen a video the other day where it was, uh, I believe, probably Rich Richmond. I think it was Richmond, Virginia. It could have been Richmond, California, but it sounded like they was in Richmond, Virginia. And they found some Klan members that were arrested for impersonating the race soldiers. These men had fake badges. They had police, police vests. They had zip ties. What do you need zip ties for? You have fake badges, police vests, and zip ties. They were going to kidnap black folks. If you are a black person walking by yourself, minding your own damn business, and you have three men that walk up to you talking about, well, we just got a call and then you end up dead and it's three on one. That is an ambush. You didn't think you were going to die. And we're in the United States of America. Therefore, that is called domestic. So that is a domestic ambush terror lynching. The brother was terrified. That is terrorism. I don't want to hear anything about, well, and see, they really don't got anything on them. They don't got nothing on this brother. They're trying to find something on them, but they, but they can't really find anything. So when you got niggas up here talking about, well, ain't no, ain't no racism in the police force because I'm African-American and I got hired and ain't nobody black been hired since a hundred and something years. That tells you a lot about the force. If you got to say that something's wrong. Now there's another article where they said there's an Aryan cowboy brotherhood that was spotted in downtown Stillwater. Y'all remember that case with the brother that came up missing. They showed his baby mom on, on TV and she didn't really seem too messed up about it. This was a case in Stillwater. This brother was from Stillwater. It was maybe about a year ago. Do y'all remember that case? It was a brother that ended up missing for a while. 
And then they found his body with stab wounds and then they ruled it a suicide saying that they found him somewhere in the snow. It was really, really strange. You don't hear too much about it. Let me see if I can find that case real quick. Let me see if I can find that case. Let me see if I can find it. Let's listen to this new thing here. And then there's the problem of death. If we're going, if we're going archaeologically, the argument got to hold up on both sides. All the killing in our community ain't coming from white people. Come on, say amen if you can. We are killing one another. Our old people are scared to get out at night in their own community. They're not scared of white people. They're scared of young black boys on the street. Amen. No, oh, no, 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 no. All the killing that's going on ain't going on in River Oaks. It's going on in South Union, in Third Ward, on Cullen and Martin Luther King. Every street that's named after Martin Luther King across America is riddled with crime and death in the name of a man who stood for nonviolence. The church has got to accept some responsibility because we in here singing and shouting on Sunday morning. Let's get out of here and go tell that young black boy and that young black girl, we gonna teach you how to love yourself oh my more than somebody taught you how to hate yourself. Give me a break. Pull your pants up. Here we go. Take your nasty pajamas off when you get up in the morning to go outside. Wish I had somebody. Act like you got good sense. Talk like somebody's raising you. Whole lot of my problems are self-inflicted. You know what? The new black media told you to white watch these old niggas. Wish I had a witness here. I'll give you a witness, old nigga. Castle black folk of the Night's Watch. I'm gonna say something that's gonna offend a bunch of people, and I'm glad I will. But it's got to be said. All right. The problem is. He started talking about. Well, they scared. They not scared of white folks. They, basically, he gave the white supremacists and the race soldiers a pass. He didn't mention nothing about reparations. He didn't mention nothing about the burning bush being integrated. Martin Luther King wanted our check. And y'all niggas. Because he was around that same age, if, a, if not a little bit younger. Them niggas was yellow bellies back then, and they yellow bellies now, and they're going to be yellow bellies when they're in the dirt. I'm going to get back on that subject right after this. Let me play this real quick. This is another case, and here's, here's why... Here, News obtained this picture of a see here you go doll found at a Milwaukee firehouse in February. I want people to know to know the truth. You know, it wasn't just a figurine standing up there dancing around. It was an African American doll. It had a pink 
noose around his neck. This woman didn't want us to use her name, but says her relative, a brand new firefighter at the department's downtown headquarters, was the target. She was the only African-American in that, in, that, in that unit, and she was the only female. It was in plain sight. Plain sight. What did she say when she saw this? She was just distraught and she was asked him what should she do. The incident has been the focus of a several month long internal investigation just made public Sunday night. It was a lot of other people probably knew about it and did nothing. MFD said their investigation revealed a lieutenant, captain, battalion chief, and deputy chief took zero action. They also said the firefighter responsible came forward, but said their, quote, investigation's findings do not reveal a deliberate or intentional racist or sexist intent, nor an effort to target any individual, member, or group. Well, obviously, it is disgusting. What would you like to see happen? Well, I want to see him punished, and whoever it is, I want to see them punished. We asked the fire department for an on-camera interview. They declined, saying they would only discuss details at a press conference scheduled for Thursday. In Milwaukee, Hillary Mintz, WISN 12 News. The fire department is expected to announce punishment for the firefighters later this week. The city's public safety committee is also demanding answers and will address it at their next meeting in July. Now you got shit like that going on and these niggas running around here talking about the youth. Let's get back to these old plantation niggas. Oh, I'm really gonna hurt some feelings tonight. I'm gonna lose some people tonight, but we gonna talk about this shit. Respect your elders, hell no. We ain't gonna respect no niggas that ain't worth being respected. Let's talk about that. You a yellow belly back then, you a yellow belly now, you a yellow belly when they bury your coon ass. Plantation ass old niggas. Plantation old niggas. Ain't never laid no white supremacists down back then. Getting your ass whooped by the police, clapping about it, telling the youth you need to calm down. You turn around and you say, now, he had a point about, well, every Martin Luther, but that's symbolic. I can't even use that. I, I was going to cry off and say, well, you know, there's Martin Luther. Martin Luther King is named after this nigga. That's symbolic. If you really truly believe in the gospel of King, you'll cut the fucking check. You'll cut them reparations check. Because he said we going to Washington to get our check. So if you put a sign out or a mural or a damn Black Lives Matter street sign, that don't mean shit. If you don't give reparations to the former slaves per the Dawes Act Special Order Number 15 and the 1866 and 1863 Indian treaties, you ain't talking about nothing. Old ass Sambo Plantation Negro. Judas in his form. The fuck is you talking about? Well, they scared of the, they see they start singing and using all these little negro spirituals because they're trying to rally these old these other old failed niggas behind them D them niggas ain't never really you know what for those for the young black members in church have those old niggas ever had anything tangible or anything constructive whenever you go to them what do they have to say to you these are the old niggas when you went to church and asked for business advice and fighting the white supremacists. They said, go home, keep hope alive. They told you the movement of protesting ain't worth it. 
wait for heaven, suffer hell now, turn the cheek. We are the only people on this planet who are elders or old niggas are held in high regard for doing nothing. I ain't talking about the, po the folks to put in work. I ain't talking about Medgar and Ida B. Wells. I'm not talking about Fannie Lou Hamer and Malcolm. I'm not talking about Denmark and Nat Turner or D Denmark Vizzy and Nat Turner. I, that's not who I'm talking about. When the Black Channel mentioned that the other night, he mentioned something about Jason Black mentioned something about the white supremacist rallies. You had old white men at the rallies when he went to Charlottesville and he said he went to all these other places. He seen white men at the rallies. He didn't see the old niggas. He didn't see the dead black media. You didn't see messy Jesse or broker Al. You didn't see biscuit Lewis. And I thought that was very interesting to know. I didn't think I would see them there either, but you don't see these niggas there. But you see these old white supremacies, these old stone cold hard white supremacists, because they done got, they done, they done, they done hit, knocked somebody down for the set. They done got bodies on them. They got graveyards under their belt, so they don't really feel bad about going to nothing like that. Old white guys, old white guys that know about lynchings, know about abducting a nigga or two, got got a couple bodies under their belt got a couple assisted bodies even though they may not have did the body they might have dug the body they might have put the body in the truck they might have drugged the body so they down there trying to uphold white supremacy they're like yeah we here we're old but we here the old plantation niggas ain't there they telling you that you need to calm down and wait for your heaven and take hell now they're talking the same way that they, they told King that they told Ida that they told Medgar Evers that it was a nigga. Did y'all know that it was a nigga that the white supremacists knew where Medgar Evers lived because a nigga told him that. So when he's talking about pull your pants up, they was hanging niggas and niggas had their pants pulled up. So, okay. I guarantee you, you go to that church, them niggas ain't got nothing tangible. It's a bunch of old plantation niggas running around here talking about, well, you got to respect the elders. Just wait and get your ass whooped. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord. See, he started humming, basically trying to, he's bringing that old coon energy. Y'all ever seen Fantasia? I watched that when I was a kid. Fantasia is a, is a masterpiece by Walt Disney and there was a part towards the end of the film y'all need to watch that from a musical standpoint we we know that you know Disney has a lot of white supremacists you know uh, a lot of anti-black racism in its earlier movies and stuff and a little funny little hidden shit now but y'all should watch Fantasia and if you don't want to watch the whole thing just watch it till maybe the last 15-20 minutes there's a demon that's basically conjuring up souls. And that's kind of like what the Negro clergy is doing right now. He's, he's, he's trying to conjure up some of that old coon, that soul, that's the old Sambo energy. He's trying to rally that behind him. That's why he's singing and dancing and they playing and they trying to get some hooping and hollering because some of these old niggas never really see it was the old, it was that that generation that civil rights generation and after that it was their responsibility to give the young black folks the game 
So now what they want to do is they want to shit on the young people. They never really gave them no, 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 no viable information. And then they basically want to talk about well, Martin Luther King and his street signs. The problem is with the street signs is, is nigga, that's symbolic. If King was alive right now, he'd be like, wait a minute. You not about to prioritize the LGBT and prioritize no damn illegals over the former slaves. King wouldn't have been for that shit. They always want to use King. They want to use the Eye of a Dream King. Man, reparations King would have been like, hold up, wait a minute. We can help everybody else at after we get what's due to us. Our folks bled for this shit. You not about to prioritize nobody talking about who they want to fuck or I ain't been five minutes across the border so you could prioritize everybody else over the former slaves? The people that built this shit? King would have never been for that. So you can't use that, nigga, because the street signs are symbolic. It's like this Black Lives Matter bullshit in Washington, D.C. by Super Mario Bowser Mayor. This rat face broad that passed it. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Washington, D.C. has one of the largest black populations in the world, in the United States, and niggas is homeless. The fuck out of here with that. Speaking of firefighters, matter of fact, let's go back. Let's go back to that old case in Stillwater. Let me look at that. Now, I want to talk about this case real quick. This was on 20cities.com. There was a brother from Stillwater. He was found dead in Roseville and was stabbed, his mother said. On Friday, one day before his third child was born, was found dead in a wooded area of Roseville, a little more than a mile from where police found his car on the late December day that he disappeared. Think about that. Remember that Alfred Wright case, people. This is very, very creepily ironic. They found his car in late December. Now, remember, this article was in March 25th, 2019 at 1.29 p.m. So in December, they found his car, right? But then they found him dead in a, in a wooded area of Roseville. They found Alpha Wright in a wooded area. They said he was a, uh, he would work hard to support his young family, would do anything to help members of his large extended family. Now, a person looking for shed deer antlers near some trees on a, on a lot northwest of Dale Street in Roselawn, they found his body. He was 24 years old. They said he left his apartment in the 1600 block of Greeley Street about 10 p.m. December 20th after having an argument with his fiance. You dig? The blue Chevrolet Impala was believed to be driving, they believed him to be driving, was found an hour later with the engine idling in the 800 block of Cope Avenue in Roseville, just over a mile north of where his body was found. Witnesses told police they saw the car speed to the end of the dead end street and stop and the man got out and ran. He had two girls, ages three, five, and a son was born Saturday. His fiance named the baby after him. Now, when I seen her on the internet, I believe I seen her video. She didn't really look too, I don't know, man. This case looks very, very strange. This is in Stillwater. All right, now, let's go back to this. Now, apparently, now you you notice the word potential, apparently, allegedly, they always use that word. This was in the year of our Lord, June 27th, 2020, 5.54 p.m. by KSTP News. An apparent noose found in a black Minnesota firefighter's locker. 
we need to be very, very clear. That's why them old plantation Negro clergies in the church don't listen to them motherfuckers. They don't know shit. Them niggas is failures. They got false hopes and bullshit. You got black folks being lynched. You got black folks being threatened. Young black folks. This was in the city of Bloomington. A noose was found in the locker of the black Bloomington firefighter. This is the second firefighter within the last month that found a noose. That's intimidation. That means I will kill you. And that sister, what happened to her when they put a black, a black noose or they put a noose over a fetus, a black baby. They're basically telling you, I will kill a black child. They're letting you know that. That's what that means. Now, the fire department leadership reported the incident on June 23rd. Now, the city of Bloomington has asked the FBI to in investigate the matter. Now, let's go back to Bubba from NASCAR. Have you noticed that the Fettuccine Alfredos tried to say that it's A-OK? -okay, nothing was wrong. Nothing happened. It wasn't a noose. The fire chief, Yuli Seal, basically said that the firefighter who brought this to our attention has demonstrated extreme strength and bravery and he has done the right thing. Then the Bloomington mayor, Tim Booth, made a statement. He's disgusted, angry, embarrassed by the cowardly act. But you notice one thing. They start talking about the city as a strict work, a workplace policy that forbids all types of discriminatory and disrespectful behavior. They felt comfortable enough to even fucking do it. This is a nationwide thing. White supremacy is global. Don't think for one second that the people that work there didn't know what type of folks they were dealing with. I've worked with stone cold white supremacists. I know how they get down. Now it says that Boost, the mayor of Bloomington, said the city plans to bring in a mental health consultant to address the emotional, social, and psychological trauma that results from racial traumatic events. Now listen to this. Racial equity, they didn't say black, will be a focus of a city council meeting on July th uh, 13th. They're not talking about a lot of punishment. That's not what they're talking about. It should be the do nothing demonic Democrats should be passing laws where if you put a noose on a black baby doll in a firefighter's uh, building, that's a domestic terror ambush lynching assault punishable by at least 10 to 15 years off the rip. That's not the way they're talking. They want to bring on the Mufasa. They want to bring on the Mufasa Lion King uh, African guard. They're not really trying to punish these folks. You know, you know how you really know if you got a so-called ally or not. Ask one of your close white friends, how does he feel about reparations? And what does he think about life sentence for race soldiers that lynch black folks or the possible death penalty? And you'll know where you stand. Ask, ask your white friend, ask a, a, a white friend that you love dearly, ask them about reparations and ask them, hey, do you think illegal aliens should uh, be prioritized over black folks with Supreme Court laws? Or do you think the people that built this shit should get it first and tell everybody you go out and we got to wait and you'll know right away. If they can't tell you right away, 
then you know where they stand. It's very simple. It's the easiest question in the world. It'll ruin your friendship. Going back to Sophia Rashid, there was an article here, the Aryan Cowboy Brotherhood in downtown Stillwater. That's why I brought up that brother. Sophia Rashid took her four-year-old daughter for a night of dinner. Now, these white supremacists, they're attacking women now. They're intimidating women. They went to go get some hamburgers. She said she's a very visibly Muslim woman. She felt threatened at how casually these men were walking down the street wearing the words of the Aryan Brotherhood, Aryan Cowboys. They let you know, I told y'all that Stillwater was a white supremacist haven. Minnesota is in general, but I'm telling you, Stillwater, Minnesota is a known suspected sundown town. Just because you could go get a burger, that don't mean anything. Well, man, I could go get a burger and I got me a Becky. That don't mean nothing, nigga. What the fuck does that mean? The bikers had uh, vests with skulls and wings, Aryan cowboys. You notice they have a lot of insignia that has to do with death. Skeletons, crossbows, skulls, things like that. Very, very barbaric people. Very, very demonic people. Now, she said that she alerted the restaurant server, which was a teenager. You know what I mean? And she demanded, you know, she went and got, she, you know, she alerted the restaurant teenager when she was sitting there with her kids. And this is a woman with kids who got two other employees and demanded. She said, I let them walk me to my car after I turned them down the first couple of times they insisted. So the employees basically said, no, you know, these white supremacists might do something to you. No, we insist. We're going to walk you to your car. You dig? She says, I cannot thank them enough, nor can I adequately express the pure courage and allyship these girls had. She says she was even more grateful for their company when, as a group made for her car, several bikers saw her, made eye contact, and crossed the street in her direction. Fearing for her safety, Rashid started taking pictures of the men as they approached and passed her on the sidewalk. She says some of them were making comments, yelling, but she was too scared to make out what they said. Now, think about this now. You're a woman with your children. You really don't have nowhere to go. And you got all these white supremacists. And I believe there was a woman that was with the, with the white supremacists. Let's be very clear. If you have a white supremacist man, his woman's a white supremacist. Actually, she might be even more of a white supremacist. Let's take it back to slavery. It was white women that were doing most of the beatings and assaulting and killing a lot of the black slaves because the white man was getting some of that black behind. These women were being raped, but neither mind the white the, the white wife knew like damn man my husband's going breaking the back of these black women and then coming to sleep with me do you guys remember in roots when it wasn't master Moore, it was the person that initially owned kunta but then sold them off do y'all remember that do you remember when the white wife told the master hey don't catch no cold and he kind of looked at her like because you know back in around them days if a woman says something out of pocket you could slap the fuck out of him like women really didn't have the same rights that they do now like you could just tell her bitch shut the fuck up i don't want to hear that shit and you could pretty much beat her ass and just go on about it that's how things work women didn't really have no rights and black women didn't have shit they had no rights white women had just a little bit of rights but white black women you you were like cattle you didn't have none but back then you could just get slapped 
you know what I'm saying? Like some color purple shit. Like I fixed that mailbox so I could see you wasn't. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna say <laughs> pull a Danny Glover, Mister. Pull a ceiling. Harpo, Harpo told me to beat you. Anyway, you know it was some shit like that. So she told her. She told him, Hey, look, don't catch no cold now. And he kind of looked at her like, bitch. But and then she says, Oh, it's kind of cold out. And he was like, Huh? What he was planning on doing was. He was planning on raping. You know what? Matter of fact, let me change that. Let me change that. That was that wasn't uh, Kunta. That that wasn't Kunta's first slave master. That was Kizzy. That was Kunta's daughter, Tom Moore. Yep, Tom Moore. That was Chicken George's pops. So, you know, back to the subject. The white, the white supremacist, his wife might be even more of a white supremacist. She might be 50 times more racist than him. So there was a white woman that was spotted hanging out with him. So you know she was down with the program. She'd be down to call the police and pull a 911 Karen. She'd be down with anything um, non-constructive and harmful they were going to do to that uh, Muslim woman. So it says here that overwhelmed with fear, Rashid... Her daughter and the teens escorted her stopped in the lower hotel when she called the police. I can't describe how I was feeling. She said guilt for somehow subjecting my daughter to Nazi games when all I wanted to do was buy her some ice cream and show her the St. Croix River. I knew I brought my wife down to Stillwater some years ago and I kind of knew to kind of keep my head on a swivel because I knew these white supremacists were out here. I noticed I know that that's like a little hangout and when you go to like places down there in Hastings and shit like that when you when you go out there and there's sticks you need to kind of keep your head on a swivel and you need to have the attitude that you'll take one of them bitches out if you got to you don't need to be walking around talking about mm -hmm, the young black men out here committing crime you don't need to be talking about that don't sound like the plantation preacher well let's just wait and hope and get my ass whooped later mm -hmm. No, you don't need to be doing all that. You need to be on code. But the Anti-Defamation League, they said that it's a white supremacist prison gang, the Aryan Cowboy Brotherhood. It's a prison street gang based in Minnesota and Kentucky. The police know about these people. Now, it says other bikers wore their Hell's Angels or Outlaw motorcycle gangs, though Rashid attributes the most direct intimidation to the Aryan Cowboy members. They were, more, they were the main ones. You see what I'm saying? They said the Stillwater Police Department doesn't monitor their activities. They know. The Stillwater mayor said the city's never had a problem like this before. Get the fuck out of here. They know. A lot of distortion in this beat. A lot of distortion. Yeah. They try to act like they don't know and all of this bullshit no no they know they know damn well they know they they they, they can't they, they can't use that excuse here's another case thousands of US judges who broke laws or oath remain on the bench you you notice now this all comes back into colder ice 
This all comes back on the colder ice, y'all. It has everything to do with it. Colder ice. These old niggas ain't talking about this. Your old Negro preachers ain't talking about this. In the past dozen years, state and local judges have repeatedly escaped public accountability for misdeeds that have victimized thousands. Nine of ten kept their jobs, a Reuters investigation found, including an Alabama judge who unlawfully jailed hundreds of poor people, many of them black over traffic fines. I'm gonna say something that's really gonna rub some feathers tonight, but I'm gonna say it, damn it. Castle Black Folks of the Night's Watch. Ain't no sense of you niggas joining a church if they ain't talking about black empowerment. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Some things just need to be said. Would you get your BL Bells and your Reverend Rat Humes and your Messy Jessies talking that suspected plantation operative talk? Maybe you don't even need to go. They're overly religious anyway. They want to bring up King. They don't want to bring up reparations. They don't want to bring up the burning bush. They don't want to bring up Washington coming to get our check. What you need them niggas for? Remember, them are the failed niggas. They failed. You either failed or you succeeded. We're the generation where we got to fix the shit that y'all niggas failed to do. Don't want to hear about no elders. Y'all niggas is failures. Judge Les Hayes once sentenced a single mother to 496 days behind bars for failing to pay traffic tickets. The sentence was so stiff it exceeded the jail time Alabama allows for negligent homicide. Marquita Johnson, who was locked up in the year of our Lord, April 2012, says the impact of her time in jail endures today. Johnson's three children were cast into foster care while she was incarcerated. One child was molested, state records show. Another was physically abused. Now let's take a break here. So your child was sexually assaulted. Your other child was beaten, could have been sexually assaulted. Over some fucking traffic tickets. And let's bring up something real quick. Before we go on. Because Billy Bob was sentenced to 1,000 years in prison for child porn in the year of our Lord 2013, and he's been paroled. In Troop County, Georgia, Peter Mallory was sentenced to 1,000 years in prison in the year of our Lord 2013 on child porn charges, and he's been released on parole after seven years of his sentence. 72 years old, he owned a low-power independent television station. The building was located in West Georgia Technical College campus. They noticed that child pornography was being downloaded somewhere in the building. They thought it was the students doing and they so soon found out it was him. Everything they found, they found 26,000 files of movies and photos on his computer. Everything we found was rape and torture of children. The George, Georgia state of uh, pardon and parole said that he was eligible for December 16th, 2019, and he was granted parole on May 27th. According to state sentencing laws, parole eligibility is seven years for consecutive sentences, totaling 21 years or more. Officials said they served past his statutory eligibility date, serving seven years and five months. Now, the Georgia State Board of Pardons and Paroles didn't explain why he was released. They did confirm it was not related to COVID-19. Now, going back to this sister, 
got a whole year. Her child got molested. Her child was beaten and she was given well over a year's time for a fucking traffic ticket. Fellow inmates found her sentence hard to believe. They had a nickname for me, she said. The woman with all the days, Johnson said. That's what they called me. The woman with all the days. There were people who committed real crimes who got, who got out before me. In 2016, the state agency that oversees judges charged Hayes with violating Alabama's code of judicial conduct. According to the Judicial Inquiry and Commission, Hayes broke state and federal laws by jailing Johnson and hundreds of other Montgomery residents too, too poor to pay the fines. They were doing that in Ferguson and St. Louis. Go look it up. They were jailing people for traffic tickets in St. Louis County. Go look it up. Don't believe me. Assume I'm a liar. Among those jailed, a plumber struggling to make rent. A mother who skipped meals to cover the medical bills of her disabled son. And a hotel housekeeper working her way through college. Now, Hayes was a judge since 2000. Admitted in court documents to violating 10 different parts of the state's judicial conduct code. One of the counts was a breach of the judge's most essential duty. Failing to respect and comply with the law. Y'all better get it twisted. Better not get it twisted here. Well, we need more police. We need police reform. All of the police reform ass niggas talking now. The fried chicken negro spiritual people talking. Respect and comply with the law. They don't, they don't apply or comply with the law. He's supposed to be doing forever in prison right now. He's a judge. But despite the severity of the ruling, he wasn't barred from serving as a judge. Instead, the Judicial Commission and Hayes reached a deal. The former Eagle Scout would serve an 11th month unpaid suspension. Then he could return to the bench. So you basically economically lynched a black person in the plantation, in the plantation industrial complex injustice, the criminal injustice system. And then you got back to work. Then they said he was set to retire after 20 years as a judge. So this bastard, then they said in a statement to Reuters, Hayes said he was very remorseful for his misdeeds. You're a judge, you're above a lawyer. Remorseful for your misdeeds? Come on, man. Y'all don't believe that bullshit. You see what I'm saying? Now, one one pastor of North Montgomery Baptist Church said he should have been fired years ago. He broke the law and wanted to get away with it. His sudden retirement is years too late. I'm going to tell you guys something about the black clergy. The ones that you see on the forefront and you always hear about them niggas, they're the ones that's co-opted. The grassroots pastors, like what's that brother's name? Pastor Talbert, that be going hard on white supremacists. What's his name? He be going hard on white supremacists. Those are the guys that they don't put on the forefront. Those aren't the chicken Negro spiritual clergy. Your black grassroots pastors that go hard in the paint that ain't afraid to speak about white supremacy and the black chucks. Them is the niggas that you might want to consider joining. But if they ain't talking, see, the black church used to be a place of black empowerment. I always rally behind that because the clergy the clergy is the main place where it got infiltrated. Remember, Margaret Sanger went to the black church talking about they want to exterminate black folks, and he went along with it. The black church, he went along with it like, all right, okay. 
I'm just gonna tell the sisters, hey, hey, sister Jenkins of the Deaconess Pew Chucks, uh, you know, you should try this uh, uh, birth control because if you do that, you know, you won't have no churn and, and they ain't got to live under no poverty or no section eight. Can you hear me? Can I get a witness? The symbols of Christmas Eve. I'm telling you, some of them niggas is probably gonna pass and come back as a sambo. Y'all ever seen that Tim Burton Nightmare Before Christmas? Y'all gonna be the pumpkin coons, not the pumpkin kings, the pump, the pumpkin coons. Y'all niggas gonna die and come back as sambos. Sambo reincarnated. One thing I can tell you, Lord knows I ain't no coon. That's one thing I can say when I pass. I, I didn't die no coon. I could look at my savior and say I ain't no coon. I could tell the universe that. Your Sambo Negro clergy can't do that. When they get to the gates, they gotta admit that they're a coon. <laughs> yeah. It says, Hayes is among thousands of state and local judges across America who are allowed to keep positions of extraordinary power and prestige after violating judicial ethics rules or breaking laws they pledged to uphold the rulers investigations found see the beautiful thing about Donald J with the toupee that's why they were like man get rid of him nah keep him in fuck it let's see white supremacy at it's most demonic moments let's if you got hate in your heart as Dr. as Dave Chappelle says let it out let's deal with the wolf on his teeth the hell with these liberals and the demonic do-nothing Democrats and those rat bastards. Let's deal with white supremacy at its teeth. Come on with it. See, the problem with... Now, no, let me see here. Let's, let's bring up this other case. The problem with a lot of these folks, y'all, is we got a lot of people that are taking advantage of our young folks and the young folks ain't going for it. I just seen a press release on PayPal. PayPal's a good service, I like it. But they said that they're gonna announce $533 million to support black businesses. Now here's the trick words, strengthen minority communities and fight economic inequality. Now when they say economic inequality and minority, they're talking about the LGBT and white women. That's who receives most of the federal contracts and the state contracts. When when you look at women businesses and all that bullshit, minority, they ain't talking about black women. They're talking about a couple coons, but for the most part, they're talking about white women, LGBT. Five half a billion dollars right now. You know you know what they're gonna do. They're gonna go back to the niggas that Ida B. Wells went hard against. I'm looking at I'm looking at an article here where. It says, this is the CEO saying this, this came out June 11th in San Jose, California. For far too long, black people in America have faced deep-rooted injustice and systemic economic inequality. Black lives matter and we need to drive transformative change. We must make this decisive action to close the racial wealth gap. That's another word. 
the racial wealth gap. See, when they start talking about racial wealth gap, when they start talking about minorities and inequalities, they're not talking black. They're talking about LGBT. They're talking about minorities and all this trans bullshit. They're not talking about black people. The black LGBT, the black LGBT needs to separate. Shout out to Ed Buck. Let's get back on his ass. Why hasn't he been charged for raping and drugging and killing all those black people? You don't hear the Black Lives Matter organization talking about that. PayPal is uniquely positioned to help in this area. They are positioned. The holistic set of initiatives will be implementing are designed to help address the immediate crisis and set the foundation for engagement and progress towards economic equality and social justice. So now what they're saying is they got short-term, medium-term, long-term investments in the community. $10 million fund for empowerment grants to black-owned businesses impacted by COVID-19. Okay, that's cool. I missed the mark on that one. But then they said $5 million for program grants and employee matching gifts for PayPal's nonprofits. You got to watch these nonprofits. They're owned by white, white liberals that want to override things. Then they said something about PayPal will max $2 for every $1 employee donate and $10 for every volunteer hour for racial and economic justice, which is up to half a million dollars. That's another trick bag. $500 million commitment to create an economic opportunity to strengthen black and unrepresented minority businesses. Anytime you see black and it's not and it's black people that's being lynched it's black people that's being served oh well you got a ticket so you got a year in jail while we let this uh guy that got a thousand years out half a billion dollars they just said committing 15 million to strengthen its internal diversity and inclusion programs see that's the diversity and inclusion negro mascot they're talking about lgbt again I'm telling you, man, they're not talking about black people. They're not talking about black LGBT. They're not talking about black folks. Half a billion dollars. You know where they need to go? Since Black Lives Matter, the organization, not the movement, and I'm even questionable about some of the movements going around here, but the Black Lives Matter organization raped and raveled and, and they basically pretty much came in and took advantage of Ferguson, at least 40 to 50 to set, fuck it, $70 million should go towards Ferguson. That's where it came. That's where them niggas got the trick bag. That's what we should be rallying against. But niggas talking about, well, we want to be everybody, everybody, coons included. Okay. 70 million should go towards Ferguson. There should be a fund towards Darren Seals family, Mike Brown's family, all the rioters out there. I'm telling you, I seen, well, we'll wait for this here. And here's another reason why we should have this. Uh, another Karen accused a black person charged with uh, a Virginia woman charged with falsely accusing a black person of assaulting her. This is by the hill.com. This was another case. Somehow it cut off. I don't know why it's not working very well. Let's go to another case. Let's go. Let's go to another case. See, we have to look at all of these things and we have to be honest and we got to speak truth to power. Okay. 
We have to be very clear about what we say. Look at this case here. Now they keep talking about black people. If you guys notice, they keep talking about black people over and over and over and over again. But when they start talking about benefits, they start talking about other groups that are not being lynched. They're not being lynched. They're not being treated like we are. Oh, we're the same. No, you're not. Black people getting kicked out of the Native American tribes by these $5 Indians. Black people getting lynched by these police. They getting the, the, the police called on them. No, get the fuck out of here with that. Look at this case. Now listen to this. This was in, in Louisville. There was a rally out there. Long guns confiscated by SWAT after men found a top downtown Louisville parking garage during protests. Louisville police. Now remember that brother got killed by the police that he was giving barbecue back and back down there. Brianna Taylor ambushed and murdered by race by three race soldiers. They still haven't charged those race soldiers. Oh, I'm just going to keep talking about it. Well, I'm tired of hearing about racism. Shut the fuck up and get off my damn Bagland podcast. You ain't suffering it. That's why you're tired of hearing about it. They confiscated rifles. I'm looking at the picture right now. It looked like a 223 with a scope. And then it's some old Winchester. They found these dudes on a downtown hotel in a parking garage. The men were wearing camouflage face paint around 11 p.m. They observed them on the garage. One of them had a bipod. That's like some, you know, it's like some uh, movie shit. Like you really trying to take some niggas out. Now, the men were not charged because no crime was committed. It is legal to openly carry a, fi carry a firearm in public in Kentucky. Police have, uh, have not identified the garage where the men were. Why? People were continuing to protest in and around Jefferson Square Park on Sunday night in response to the shooting death of Breonna Taylor in March. LMPD said the men were asked by SWAT members to leave the garage. They did. So you notice they were staying on code. It's a lot of white supremacists down there that's heavy. Based on the fact that her murder was going on in Louisville and they have not charged these, these race soldiers, basically what they did is they pulled them to the side and said, all right, Billy Bob, don't mind your own business, Bob. Um, we caught you out here. You probably was going to kill you some niggers, but not tonight. That, that's really what that was. That's how that conversation went. They didn't arrest them. They just took their guns and sent them home. They sent them home. They said, look, not tonight, Bob. It's too much going on. We really don't want to deal with this. Let's just let this die down. Eventually, this these, these Black Lives Matter people, they're going to get out of town. Ain't nobody really going to trip no more. Just give it a couple more months and then we'll have at them. I bet you that's what they said. Going back to this, here's another case here. Researchers expected outrageously high discrimination against black renters. What they found was worse than imagined. Researchers fought real estate professionals who illegally go steer away qualified renters. They've been doing that in the civil rights era. That's why I don't respect these Negro clergy preachers talking about the youth. They're still doing ghost steering. Shout out to my homie, Tom Ladman. He was telling me they pulled one of those on him. 
people looking for apartments with Section 8 housing vouchers also experienced extreme discrimination. So there was people that was with Section 8 and there was people without Section 8. The law school's housing discrimination testing program, which aims to eliminate illegal housing discrimination through testing, enforcement, education, and research, undertook the study with Analysis Group, an international economics consulting firm. The study was funded by the Boston Foundation and the Racial Justice Fund. The researchers said that they hope their data will, will help shape public policy and end discrimination in the housing market. It's not really going to change public policy unless these assholes get punished. Until you start hitting their ass with, okay, you do some steering and we can confirm it, you're going to get five years and you're going to lose your license. That's going to change it. What did Dick Gregory fucking tell us? Give them something to lose. Researchers at the testing program conducted 700 undercover tests on housing discrimination over the years set due to determine whether someone's race or housing voucher status prevented them from getting appointments to see properties, get a rental application, and learn about financial incentives properties offer. So they selected, trained, and deployed 200 participants or testers to conduct 50 tests at properties across greater Boston. I've been to Boston before. Um, from August 2018 to the year of our lower 2019, four testers went to each site. One black person and one white person would each separately tell an agent, property manager, or a landlord that they could pay market rate rent. So I'm black. I could pay the rent. I got the bag. Now, another pair of black and white testers approaching the broker or landlord separately would say they had a voucher. All of the testers had jobs and could afford the units they were seeking. They were similar in many other ways too, including their age, income level, credit score, and family status. All testers were asked to make an appointment for a tour of 50 randomly selected apartments in Greater Boston. Those properties included those that accepted vouchers from the Boston Housing Authority. The participants were unaware of the role they played in the study and were asked to um, clandestinely document their experiences in writing, which were then analyzed and assessed by the researchers. The results indicated that whites paying market rent were able to arrange to view apartments 80% of the time. Similarly, situated black market rate testers seeking to view the apartments were able to visit the property only 48% of the time, the study said. So I won't read the rest of the article, but that's how they get down. This is supposed to be old. We're supposed to be past this. Well, it's, it's you know, uh, we got a black president. This post-racial America. I was going to post something on Facebook today. And I said, you know what? Let me ask this question on here tonight. Name 10 tangible and measurable things that the Obama administration did for black folks, specifically black folks. Name 10 tangible and measurable things. Now, one more article before we get out of here. The music stopped. But they said that the COVID-19 forces commercial IOT to expand its reach. Y'all should check out IOT, Internet of Things. It's a very, very interesting technology. We're talking about politics, tech, and tangibles. It says in this article by Tim Bajaran of Consumer Tech, 
One of the daunting tasks companies have to deal with during the COVID-19 pandemic is the need to have some workers come back to their offices to work and protect them from this virus. Just on a side note, I had an interview with a company. They said they wanted me for a three month contract for a construction company. And they started talking about, well, this is high volume. They really don't have a standard operating procedure. Little key stealth words that I started noticing. And I said, is this on site? Oh, it's on site. And I'm like, damn. I said, well, you know, my son's only five months old. I said, I'm not trying to put him in harm's way. Why y'all trying to get people back so damn bad? Can't this be remote? Oh, it has to be on site. I said, okay. I see how that's going. So it says many companies will allow up to 50% of their employees to work from home. So may, I think they're going to try to do so-called social distancing. I worked at a place before they weren't social distancing like they were supposed to. They definitely wasn't. Still, companies like Google and Apple have stated in some cases, especially where hardware engineers need to be together to work, they need to be in the office at times to get their projects done. Indeed, the trend seems to turn office complexes into hubs that have all types of health safeguards and measures in place to create a safe environment for the workers. Some must be in the office a lot or may need to come in once or twice a week for special collaborative meetings. That means that many big tech companies who provide products to information technology departments have become more involved in helping companies prepare workers to return to the office over time. Some of these programs come under what is called commercial IOT, the internet of things. Y'all should look this up. The concept of IOT has been floating around in big PC companies for a couple of years. All of these companies see consumer IOT being the more significant market in terms of customers, but believe that the consumer IOT market may be years away from being profitable and growing enough to invest in today. That's a lie. IOT, y'all need to start investing right now. You need to start looking at IOT, consumer firms, consumer engineering firms, etc., and start investing in it right now. See, anytime you look at some of these articles and they start talking about what's not investable and all that, they're not going to mention this and make a damn article over it if it ain't investable. Instead, they have turned their efforts into IOT to commercial businesses with an eye in helping bring IOT products and connectivity to corporate offices, banks, building management, etc. Two years ago, Dell briefed industry analysts on how they were enabling smart IOT connectivity for banks and commercial buildings with new smart IOT technology related to office access and building management. They also created new ways to interact through touchless transactions in the company's cafeterias and various food services on premise. Now, HP and Lenovo, Lenovo has some excellent laptops. I think I'm gonna get my wife one. HP and Lenovo have similar commercial, and by the way, Lenovo used to be IBM. HP and Lenovo have similar commercial IoT activities. Most recently, Lenovo pivoted their program to meet the more immediate need to change the return of workers to the office in the age of COVID-19 pandemic. I spoke recently with John Gordon, president of Lenovo's commercial IoT business, and he explained that at first, they too were looking more at helping customers build out smart offices, smart manufacturing, smart building, smart cities, shout out to Akon, etc. Well, besides that shit with Takachi uh, 6.9. That is still in the plan, but they saw an immediate need to bring IOT based products and strategies to corporations to help make it safer for staff members to return to the office in light of the various problems and restrictions they face given the COVID-19 crisis. 
To be clear, technology alone cannot address all of the issues in bringing workers safely back to the office. It also includes new policies and serious backing from top management, top management so that what technologies are brought in to help in this transition will be effective. Lenovo saw that these were many opportunities in software and hardware needed to detect fevers, keeping workers separated at six feet, and various internal contact tracing technologies to determine which workers have been in contact with another. Now, let's look at information technology from an artificial intelligence standpoint. When you look at tracing, that means that they're identifying you, right? By definition. While these technologies were not a part of anyone's original IoT strategy a year ago, Lenovo's smart move to shift commercial IoT in this direction and become a trustworthy partner in helping manage a self a, a safe environment in these customers in their customer workplaces. Let's go back. Let me talk about the fact that he mentioned, well, it's not investable. I just gave you a whole damn spill on what's gonna be investable. They just mentioned that it's going to be tracing technologies. They just mentioned IoT based products and strategies to corporations to help make it safer. Smart offices, smart manufacturing, smart buildings, smart cities. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to where it said that they just said they just said something about it not being investable. Taking both sides of the argument, you have to really listen and have to read well. Let me go look at this again. Let me look up the word invest. All right. The concept of IoT has been floating around in big PC companies for a couple of years. All of these companies see consumer IoT being the more significant market in terms of customers, but believe that the consumer IoT market may be years away from being profitable and growing enough to invest in today. The consumer IoT. Either way, we're consumers. You could still invest in this shit right now. See, they throw little trick words so the average bonehead is gonna say, well, man, I can't make no money. I'm a consumer. Stop thinking like a consumer. You're a business person. You're an entrepreneur. Moving right along. To speed up this pivot, Lenovo is partnering, partnering with some smaller vendors to offer tools to manage things like touchless entry, thermal, th uh, thermal, th uh, thermal temperature scanning, and helping manage and track which employees interact with one another. Lenovo will serve as a manager and provide override distribution service and support according to Mr. Gordon. Their chosen partners have different types of expertise that allow Lenovo to offer this program. They will be looking at other potential partners over time as they work to build out a robust commercial IoT program for companies that will bring workers back to the office. Y'all need to be looking up these IoT programs right now. Oh, by the way, shout out to your Popeye's chicken Negro spiritual Negro clergy. Did these niggas have anything to say about IOT and providing constructive help to the young black folks that they said was terrorizing their communities? That's a question. I'm just wondering. That's a question. 
what do they have to say about the matter? Well, you know, Martin Luther King Drive it, you know, keep hope alive. You start hearing that talk. Old failed niggas don't even know nothing about no IOT. I'm sure they have their Cadillac Rome outside and or should I say their Escalade and their and their Negro Deaconesses that they've been getting a taste of in the name of the Lord. Oh, let me give y'all a little bit of game that your Negro clergy ain't going to give you. The initial partners chosen to support this new commercial IOT program are write this down. I'm going to give you all a few seconds to get your, your, your pen and your paper. Get your pen and your paper because you might want to invest in some of this. Get your pen and your paper. CX app in Pixon. That's I-N-P-I-X-O-N L squared. Relogics, that's R-E-L-O-G-I-X, OpenPath, and Viper Imaging. That's CX app, NPixon, L squared, Relogics, OpenPath, and Viper Imaging. Next time you go to Chuck's, ask your Popeye Chicken Negro spiritual clergy if they know anything about those. Now, the article writer said he spoke with the co-owner of Viper Imaging, Andy Beck, who said they had made a small pivot to meet the needs of customers like Lenovo prompted by the COVID-19 pandemic. So these are probably smaller third party um, vendors, which are, I was going to say a small contract. They're making large contracts to be able to provide a service. Remember, anytime that you have a problem, that means money. Solving a problem means money. See, they taught us when we was kids, oh, well, there's a problem. Anytime there's a problem, that's negative. No, that's not what that means. No. Like Kamala Harris said, can I do something for black people? No. I can't go do nothing for just black people. Solving a problem it's good. Solving a problem is good. Anytime you see a problem, that's a potential opportunity for you to be able to resolve an issue. And you should be able to charge for that. Not under this internship bullshit. No. If you know how to solve a problem, you need to be compensated for that. You you need to be open to your daily bread. So he spoke with the co-owner of Viper Imaging, Andy Beck, who said they had made a small pivot to meet the needs of consumers or um, customers like Lenovo prompted by the COVID-19. Traditionally, their thermal scanners are used to check the temperature of food or to monitor conditions at steel mills. However, their temperature scanners can be repurposed to focus on people. So what they're saying is we can modify things to your needs as it will be part of Lenovo's commercial IOT venture to monitor workers' temperatures on a company's premises. I talked about people, I talked to students of mine over three years ago about IOT in one of the Cisco programs that I was running. 
I offered a lot of information to the IOT uh, Cisco training. And niggas got to talk about, well, you don't know nothing. Nigga, I got a four-year college degree. I don't need to know all that. That's what niggas was telling me. I don't need to know all that. Who you think you are? I got a four-year college degree. Then why the hell are you taking this class? I tried to get niggas some game. Hey, man, y'all might want to check out this IOT. Oh, you only, I don't need to know all that. That's what I heard. And now here we are. The Popeye Chicken Negro spiritual people. I'm classifying y'all niggas. Y'all got y'all niggas got a classification now. Everybody that put that mind state gonna be in that classification from now on. The Popeye Chicken Negro spiritual people. Talking shit about what they don't need to know. And now you need to know it and you don't know shit. Now, although Lenovo's nascent commercial IoT business is still young, since it was formed only last fall, this is a tremendous business opportunity for them, which means it's a tremendous business opportunity for you to invest. This pivot could pay off well for them if they execute and deliver what their customers need. Your Popeye cheek, your Popeye's chicken Negro spiritual clergy niggas ain't talking like that. They talking about. The black youth is killing each other. We ain't got nothing. We need to tell them to pull up their pants. Nigga, get your ass out of here. You pimp the church because you can't pimp the youth. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed the corporate office forever. Even if the virus is conquered, office spaces will need to have more of these particular technologies and measures to keep workers safe. So what was told was true. My wife told me, she said, you know, it's going to change forever. It does. I'm seeing it. In that sense, this is just smart business. Not your clergy. Talking about signs and symbolic bullshit. They talking about business here. You get on the Bagland podcast, you ain't going to get no soft shoe plantation chicken George. I ain't going to say chicken George. Chicken George was a rider. I'm trying to think of somebody else. Who was a who was a notable coon in Roots? Let's go back to Django Unchained. Samuel Jackson. That's a notable coon in, in the movie. In the movie, COVID-19 surprised everyone, and businesses were not prepared for its impact on their office complexes. That's a problem. So people that aren't prepared, they don't know what to do. So that means if someone's not prepared, and you come up with an idea to help them get prepared, then you can make money doing that. Well, you shouldn't make no money. You shouldn't just give it away for free. You should just be struggling. That's a plantation nigga that's telling you that. If you ever hear that, especially usually hear that from the old folks. Anytime you hear that kind of talk, you could tell, you could ask that person, well, what if you build and what if you exercise? And I'm telling you, when, when, when you hear them, they're showing up every Sunday talking about what they had i had a whole cadillac that's somebody that never built anything for their children and never built anything for you never built anything for the for the community that's just an old ass nigga that's just waiting to die i'm just gonna say it that's it they really they really don't give a fuck about the community they don't really give a fuck about you they're holding on to their religion because they know damn well that they never really did anything right in their life they pissed off all their money and all their years they never really did anything constructive for their children they didn't toe the line for the for the former slaves so 
in their mind, they're looking at it like, well, I'm just going to hold up this book because I know that's all I got. Lord, Lord, Lord. Yeah, that's what they do. And you start asking them questions and they don't never really want to give you the answers. You start asking for constructive questions. Hey, what about this IOT? Man, these race soldiers is out here blowing our brains out. What if I could invest in this IOT? And what if I could do something? Oh, do that. Just wait and get your ass kicked. Go home. You get the Scooby-Doo. Niggas hit you with the shaggy Scooby-Doo. They, they hit you with the little, you know what I'm saying, a little weird color bus talk. No. We not about to do that on the Bagland podcast. Old plantation niggas. If we was, I'm telling you, if we was back in Alabama, if we was back on them fields in Mississippi, them niggas would be up there with the banjo playing. I'm about to find some music for that. I'm telling you, that that's what they would be doing. If you were to take away, you know what I'm saying, if you were to take away their theology uh, degree and if you were to take away all of that, them niggas would, I'm telling you, if you were to fast, like we were to jump on the Michael J. Fox Back to the Future, you know what I'm saying, vehicle, them niggas would be sitting on the plantation. That's what they be doing. They be playing the banjo. Mass, we sick. We's all sick. And the young folks that want to get off the plantation, they be like, oh, don't you leave. I can't have no more butter, bitch, because I can't have no more gravy. That's what they would be doing. I guarantee you. And it shows. It shows. Anybody that's new, welcome to the Bagland Podcast. You can follow me on the gram on Bagland Podcast. Don't forget to support your black-owned businesses. You got your so-called allies. Well, what can I do? What can I help? How can I help? You know, how about Black Lives Matter? No, don't donate to the Black Lives Matter organization. They've been co-opted. That goes back to the white folk. If you're a white person and you're interested in helping black folks, get support a black-owned business. Rewind back to my podcast and just support some of those businesses. And if you see a white supremacist talking shit, say, hold up. You're a white supremacist. I don't support in the system of racism, white supremacy. I'm on my John Brown shit. That's what you do. It's very simple. It's, it's not no, it's not a deep space, you know, a deep space nine ordeal. It's not really, it's not something that's hard. It's not rocket science. It's very, very simple. Speaking of space, before we close out tonight, I want to talk about the astronomers on the CNN world. They said they find alien asteroids living in our uh, solar system. Now, this was coming from this is an old article in April 26 in the year of our Lord 2020. Updated at 7:30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it says here that scientists in the last few years have studied the first observed interstellar visitors to our solar system. This include a comet called 2I Borzo, spotted in 2019 and still passing through, and an asteroid called Onamua that zipped through quickly in 2017. Now, astronomers have identified a more permanent outsider present in our solar system, and it is a group of interstellar asteroids that checked in a long time ago and never left. Come on, let me get my zoom right. There we go. 
and it says they've been hiding in plain sight for billions of years according to a new study published this week in the monthly notices of the royal astronomical society i'm gonna have to check that out i never heard of that now these asteroids were likely around when our solar system was forming 4.5 billion years ago i don't think we've been around that long but it says they or they originated in a different star system and when our solar system was forming it was likely closer to the baby star system as well it says the European Southern Observatory captured this image of the lobster nebula where gas and dust surround young forming stars. Stars are closer together in nebulae, meaning they can capture objects from each other. Sound like some predator shit. Very interesting article here. I'm not going to read the whole rest of it, but you guys should go check that up on CNN fake news or should I say continuous neglect news. The title was Astronomers Find Alien Asteroids Living in Our Solar System. I think I'm going to do an Earth People episode that's been long in the waiting. Um, and one more. What do we got here? Chuck E. Cheese is closing down 34 locations permanently. Ah, who cares? Whatever. Here's an opportunity, Castle Black Folks of the Night's Watch. Um, we have an opportunity here. Now, they're closing... The one down in Rochester in Minnesota, Columbia, Missouri. You know, when I went to Columbia, oh man, I have so many memories. Columbia was a, it was an amazing town for the only 24 hours that I went there. And I had to transfer from Chicago because Habib didn't really want to give me a straight shot ticket. When you go into Columbia, Missouri, it ain't like a major, um, it, it's not a major airline. I mean, you start feeling like you like you the president in that motherfucker. Like when the plane lands, they pull up that little them little stairs. Like you don't. It's not like a. Uh, it doesn't have like a regular airport. And the rental car places. I mean, man, it's probably only like twenty cars at the most. So I mean, you're, you're kind of out in the sticks. It's, it's a beautiful place. I didn't really get to move around like I wanted to, but I was going out in the sticks. I landed to do an IT contract to desegregate a wide area network with some Cisco engineers. And my job was to go maybe 60 miles out. I mean, the shit looked like some hills have eyes type of shit. Like it was not comfortable. My GPS went down. I thought I was going to be in a sundown town. And I said, Lord, give me a bottle of this. It was a good experience. I thought I was going to get the sundown town treatment. And actually when I went to Iowa the next day, Man, them rednecks out there was something else. It was some straight honkies out there. Do you hear me? But Columbia, Missouri. Columbia, Missouri. Beautiful place. I had the best steak in my life. They said the Chuck E. Cheese is shut down in Columbia, Missouri. And in Rochester, Minnesota. And a bunch of locations. You know, when I was a kid, I never went to Chuck E. Cheese. I ain't tripping. Whatever. When, when when the COVID-19, you know, cracks out in about two years, man, black folks need to buy all that shit up. Get some IOT running through there. All right, this concludes the Bagland Podcast. I'm about to post this. Y'all enjoy. Don't listen to your chicken Negro spiritual plantation, you know, um, uh, clergy niggas. If they ain't talking like, you know, if they ain't talking about black empowerment and they ain't talking about, you know, uh, bringing back Rosewood and Tulsa, them niggas ain't talking about shit. Invest your money in a business. Don't give them niggas a dime in their collection plate. Peace.